Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, your Premier League podcast from the Sport Social team. Every day of the week, every single day of the top flight season. It might be a Friday, but the football doesn't stop. European action last night. Manchester United getting the job done in the Europa League. Cristiano Ronaldo on the score sheet. How much of a boost is that for the Red Devils? However, for Arsenal, their unbeaten run in the Europa League comes to an end. They were beaten by two goals to nil. Is that a concern for Mikel Arteta? Drop points against Southampton last weekend, beaten in Europe midweek, and a big game against Nottingham Forest to come on Sunday. West Ham are also cruising through in their European competition. They beat Silkeborg in the Conference League last night. We'll run through all of those games on today's edition of the podcast. And of course, as it is a Friday, we're going to put Ian Brannan and Marley Anderson through their paces with our weekly quiz. How are you doing, boys? Doing very well. Looking to uh, to take over the quiz mantle now as uh, the one to beat after winning last week. So, looking forward to it. Yes. Well, this is it, and uh, I've got I've got to say, uh, it has been the half term week. Uh, with me and I've been working all over the country which means I've, I've seen very little football I'll be honest here from the outset uh, so um, yeah I have no great hopes on that I think maybe I should ask you a question about what some of the scores were then because that seemed to unstick you last week Ian so maybe that's the route I should go down <laughs> I, was, I was at another sporting event last night in Manchester which um, which ended up being resolved by Tom Bowler now you don't get that in football <laughs> Yeah, which was the last game to be resolved by a tombola? Probably at a village fate or something like that, I think. Um, anyway, yeah. let's get stuck into what some people might call the tombola of European football, um, the Conference League and the Europa League. No, I'm joking, of course. Let's start with the Europa, where Manchester United and Arsenal were in action. Uh, West Ham are in the Conference League, but we'll come on to them a bit later on. We'll start at Old Trafford, where Manchester United, as you'd expect a Premier League team to do, swept aside Moldovan champions Sheriff Tiraspol, three goals to nil was the final scoreline and I'm going to start with that third goal that came after the 80th minute Marley and it was scored by Cristiano Ronaldo club career goal 701 a header down into the ground saved by the keeper and he was there to follow up and put away the rebound after all of the discussion about Cristiano Ronaldo over the last 10 days with him walking out in the Spurs game being banned from the squad for the Chelsea game do you think scoring that goal is lifted away at all around Old Trafford or even indeed for Ronaldo himself uh, not not really um, I think if if scoring a goal against the Moldovan champions in in uh, Europe's second rate competition is uh, enough to lift away I think you've got bigger problems to be honest because it was you know it, it was it was a, a goal fine but I mean he was frustrated all night wasn't he he was missing chances you'd expect him to put away the um, he should have had three or four to be honest the uh the one where it was he was inside the six yard box and didn't get the contact right was was a bad miss by his standards, and the one in the second half where he dribbled past the defender, um, and smashed it, you know, a hundred mile an hour into the uh, Stratford end is uh, 
is a little bit um, unlike him as well. So you could kind of tell that he, he desperately wanted to score. I think, I think if uh, Ten Hag had, had took him off at uh, at like sixty odd minutes, I think he'd have had an absolute meltdown. To be honest, and we'd have seen something similar to to what we did when he walked off in the uh, in the Spurs game. But he uh, he persevered, and you know, chances are if you if you play enough minutes against Sheriff Tiraspol, they're not going to be able to contain you for. For a, for the full ninety minutes, and and that's what happened. He got the uh, got the simple goal in the end. Even that one came with a bit of uh, a bit of um, sort of not straightforward. The header was brilliantly mm. saved. The goal he had a decent game. To be fair for Sheriff, he was yeah. the busiest Sheriff in town by a mile. Um, <laughs> Where's the cliche bell when you need it? <laughs> um, but yeah, he got the rebound and, and showed a good reaction, and uh, he got his goal, and that's all. He, ju- he just thinks in goals, doesn't he, Ronaldo? He just wants yeah, goals. Yeah. Doesn't matter who it's against, whether it's his his dog in the garden or his ten year old son or whatever. He's um, he's, mm. he's happy to get them. So he's I mean, getting like Pele with those sorts of comments. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it shows as well. Like you said, it was a really good header and a really good save. But the header for me, the way he executed it. It was like Ronaldo of 10 years ago. And I know it didn't go in, but it, there wasn't a great deal of movement there. The ball was just on a sixpence and there he was, you know, stretching his neck muscles, getting the power needed to, to cause the goalkeeper issues. And I think that that just kind of symbolises, Marley, for me, the sort of striker Ronaldo is now. I mean, he doesn't have the dynamic movement off the ball that he used to have, but he's still got a hell of a leap on him. He's still exceptional at heading the ball. He can still finish, um, probably more so from inside the six-yard box and from 12 yards nowadays so I mean he still serves a purpose but to expect him and for himself to think that he can still make all of these dynamic and explosive off the ball runs at the age of 37 almost 38 I think maybe would be fooling himself as good as he is he's obviously a great player one of the best ever but I think just in that header that was a little snapshot I suppose you could say of the qualities that he still has yeah I think he's um one of the the most impressive things about uh, Ronaldo's career in my opinion is is how he's changed his game. You know, he used to be, you know, a fleet-footed winger, loads of tricks, loads of stepovers, and and he sort of matured into like the full package of of winger. Um, and then I think I was listening to a a video a while back um, of Mourinho, and Mourinho was the first manager to play Ronaldo as a centre forward, and he, he started his first game as centre forward in uh, in a game against Barcelona, and he said. Barcelona was so good, and it was like twenty. I think it was about twenty twelve ish. Um, and Barcelona had Dani Alves at right back, so Ronaldo playing left wing against him. And he said, "I'm going to use all any. Ronaldo's going to use all his energy chasing Dani Alves back because Dani Alves will not just defend. He'll, he'll they'll have the ball. He'll go bombing up the pitch, and uh, Ronaldo will have to to chase him at some point. So I wanted to conserve his energy and keep him more in front of goal, so he had more more in the tank." Um, and he played him up front against against the centre backs, which would have been Piquet and Puyol, and he scored two goals, and, and Real Madrid won the game. And it was like from then on, Ronaldo had to to change his game. But it's not it's not just a manager that changes his game; it's his work rate. And the most impressive thing for me about Ronaldo's career is is his work rate. I don't think he's the most I don't think he's ever been the most talented player in the world, but I think he's always been the hardest worker because you don't get to the levels he's done without working so hard every day eating right training right recovering right um you know working on every little weakness in your game i can't imagine a the 18 year old skinny little winger um who who came to the premier league in 2008 or whatever it was being this like 
target man style striker with a heading as good as anybody in the game but that's what he's become because he worked on it he probably thought I, I can't head the ball like I, I'm not very good at heading it even though I'm six foot two I think he is so he's you know big fella and he's thought I've got to use my strength at some point use what I've got and then it'll help me later in my career and you're seeing that now with you know he can play as a as a lone forward he can play as a target man and you can you can knock balls in in the air to him and he will out jump defenders and score goals like he scored last night. He scored many a header where you go, Christ, how did he how did he get his neck neck uh, muscles in that and and propel it at forty mile an hour towards the goalkeeper? It's crazy. I, so. I I just think he's obsessed with the stats and stuff, isn't he? He's obsessed with the goals, the numbers, and you know football is a team game, as Eric Ten Hag has rightly pointed out, and it's clear and obvious thing to say. But, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is very self-obsessed and sometimes people might say that's a negative thing. Other people might say that's the reason he's got this desire to become the best or arguably is the best to ever do it. But I think that when you reach a certain stage, it's something that you just need to accept. For instance, I don't think you ever see that arrogance from someone like Roger Federer, but he's reached his 40s and has now decided I'm not at the level I was and I think that mentally even though your brain can keep up your body can't and that's a difficult thing to come to terms with I think I think mentally getting that balance right between what your body's capable of achieving um, and what it's not is a difficult thing to come to terms with not saying that's the case for Ronaldo Um, anyway that was one talking point from last night's game another Ian was Manchester United's 80 plus million pound signing Anthony who did his trademark spin skill during the game. He did a little 720 roulette pirouette thing, which got the crowd going in all fairness. But a lot has been made of that because straight after he did that, he passed the ball directly out of play for a goal kick. Um, The commentator at the time was uh, Robbie Savage and he said it was embarrassing. I've seen Paul Scholes in the studio after the game say it's embarrassing as well and that they're not a big fan of it. Do you think this is much ado about nothing really? Obviously, a bit frustrating that he's passed the ball straight out of play, but he didn't lose the ball from doing the skill. It didn't really do much harm. I, I think this has been blown way out of proportion, this. Well, yeah, Paul Scholes called him a clown, actually, in the coverage. Oh, was it? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I stand corrected. Which was what, yeah, well, no, it was, it was, I, I had that quote there. I was just about to, uh, to, to mention it. But um, look, the crowd want to be entertained. Yeah, uh, that's why they go. So what? Right, if he wants to pull the move and it doesn't work out, that's that's his choice. <laughs> you know, what, what did it affect anything? Did it did it cost Man United the title in any way? No, uh, it's a bit of fun, bit of showboating. Crowd like to see the skills. You get these, you know, top footballers in here. You want to see the skills they've got. Now, sometimes they might be employing them, perhaps not entirely at the ideal moment. But it does, you know, look at the bigger picture. Does it make any difference? No. What else would we be talking about from this match? Uh, you know, if if we weren't talking about that, you know, it's it's something to talk about. The crowd probably enjoyed it, even if it didn't necessarily work out. And I know that Eric Senhag has said that he's going to uh, rein the Man United players in for doing skills for the sake of it. Um, but it didn't cost Man United, the, you know, the match in in any way, did it? They won three nil. So it's, just, it's not even a story, is it? Player does skill and passes ball out of play. If he didn't do the skill, no one would be saying it's embarrassing he's passed the ball out of play. If he lost the ball, people would say, oh, he won't do that again. That's stupid. I mean, 
I don't get it. I don't. I just don't understand it. It's... He's a he's a Brazilian international, right? You 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 want to see these these players, you know, the with a bit of flair that they that they're known for, and if they want to employ it here and there in a game against Sheriff. Uh, yeah, that's the time know, to do it, exactly, isn't it? That's the time to do It's not exactly it. the most gripping of fixtures, isn't it? I, was, I mean, I was in Manchester last night, um, not at this game, obviously, but driving into Manchester and you've got these billboards there, tonight, football at Old Trafford, Man United versus Sheriff. Yeah. It's, like, it's not like Real Madrid or AC Milan, is it? But, you know. It's just like, just chill out. I don't get why we're trying to... I don't want to use the word sanitise. I don't think that's the right word. But I don't know why we're trying to stop people enjoy, enjoying stuff. I bet the kids, Marley, inside Old Trafford last night that were sat close to Anthony when he did that absolutely loved it. Some of the people that I've spoken to of my age, their icon, their idol in the game was Ronaldinho, who made a career of doing stuff like that. He's invented tricks like, you know, like he used to do the Elastico and a flip flap and all these different things. Ronaldinho is famous for that. And a lot of our generation, I'd argue, has Ronaldinho as one of their favourite players. And yet here we are in a season in the Premier League where football is as intense and as exciting as ever. And you've got people moaning about Richarlison doing keepy-ups and moaning about Anthony doing a little bit of skill in a game against Sheriff Tiraspol. I mean, I think it's just gone a bit bit far. I don't, I don't know what you think, Marley. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd, I see why. Oh, he doesn't like it. And, He's old school. And, he doesn't like yeah, it. Yeah, because it's for me, it's Anthony in a nutshell. It looks pretty, but it's actually fairly ineffective. And I don't really... I'm not sure he looks that pretty either. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Bless it's him. Just, I don't know. It's, 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 it's not about the doing a little pirouette and, and looking pretty on the pitch for me. It's, it's more about the problems of, of, the, of what Man United are trying to get away from. Like, Ten Hag's come in, he's this disciplinarian and, and you know, he stands for takes no stuff you know um and then you've got one of his players who's like has 10 yards of space against a practically part-time sheriff and he's like i'm gonna do a spin that'll be fine and it's like (laughs) that's not gonna cut it with a manager who's i know he's known him for years and stuff he's probably seen him do that trick a million times but not in a game where i think man united have the have a little bit of arrogance and sometimes it, it comes to the comes to the fore a little bit um and that is what this little incident was in in my opinion i think just show a bit of like brains about this like just save it for one or two nil up that'd be fine well even then it'd be borderline but <laughs> i can't believe marley you sound like a you sound like a fun spun <laughs> well thing is, but it was absolutely useless i know but the, like we said with ian just then it, what the time to do it is against sheriff not at nil nil mm, i guess so not at, i guess like, so. you know I, I don't mind a bit of skill and stuff but but it's i don't know it just it's it summed up it it highlighted a bigger thing for me with uh with man united but it is what it is. Okay. He'll do it again, probably. Um, I'd be more impressed with him if he ever used his right foot, but, you know, that's, that's just me. <laughs> it's a very good point. He is absolutely single-footed. He's as left-footed a player as I've he's seen for a long time. He's 80 million for left foot. Um, like, yeah. He, he, crazy. Yeah. He's, uh, he's certainly someone who's entertained the crowd with what he did last night. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I'm sure people will debate it long into the rest of the week. And you can have your say on social media at FSD Pod on Twitter. Get in touch with us. You can also find our Telegram chat by clicking the pin tweet at the top of the profile, downloading the app from the iOS or the Google Play Store. Get into the chat and let us know what you think about Anthony's 
Is it just the Anthony spin? I've no idea what the, the trick's called. Uh, anyway, moving on. The group decider next week, Manchester United now, after beating Sheriff last night, they've got to beat Real Sociedad by two clear goals, Ian, to top the group. If they finish runners-up in the group, which is looking quite likely because uh, Real Sociedad beat them 1-0 at Old Trafford in the first group stage game of the season, they could end up facing Barcelona, Juventus, Atletico Madrid in the round of 32 of the Europa League because all three of those sides have dropped out from the Champions League. So finishing Second in the group is not something you really want to do in the Europa League, but it's going to be tough for United to beat Sociedad by two goals to nil away from home in San Sebastian. Yeah, well, uh, obviously Real Sociedad completely unbeaten uh, so far through this tournament. Um, Manchester United would also be that if if they hadn't have been um, unstuck by Sheriff right at the start of the uh, campaign as well. So. Um, the, clearly, the two top teams left in that in that group, Group E. Um, it is going to be uh, a tricky night. There's no reason why Man United can't do it. Of course, they've got the talent, they've got the resources to uh, put on a real show against Real Sociedad. Um, I don't know with, with with your with your sort of head on looking at the at the bigger ties though. It would be great to see Manchester United up against one of those uh, other giants again. Of course, Barcelona, Juventus, or Atletico um, in that uh, in that next round, um, and certainly from. Surely, from a business point of view, it's got to be a bigger seller for uh, for the for the Manchester United um, management and and what have you, and and probably for the surrounding economy as well for the the extra fans that that would uh, that would bring in. Not that Man United generally struggle, um, regardless of who they're playing. But um, yeah, I can't really call it. But mm. it's going to be a tough night, as you say. Um, could be, could be. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go for a draw. How about that for sitting on the fence? Yeah. Well, that will see Manchester United go through in second place. They need to beat uh, Real Sociedad by two clear goals to go through as group winners in their Europa League group. All right. So Manchester United three, Sheriff nil. Final score last night. It wasn't so simple for Arsenal though. They were on the road in the Netherlands and they were beaten in Eindhoven by PSV. They lost two nil and they actually missed the chance to go through to the knockout stages. We'll tuck into that game next here on Football So. Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is FSD. My name's Niall. Ian and Marley are with me and Arsenal were beaten 2-0 on the road in Europe last night, missing the chance to go through to the knockout stages of the Europa League. They only needed a point at PSV Eindhoven. They lost the game 2-0. Do you think that will be a concern, that scoreline? Obviously, no one likes to lose, Marley, but going into the weekend's game against Nottingham Forest off the back of dropping points last time out in the Premier League against Southampton too, and the distinct possibility that if Manchester City win their 12.30 Saturday kickoff against Leicester, they could go above Arsenal in the Premier League table. So losing a game in the week is not the end of the world, but in terms of the context of what it could mean for the Premier League this weekend, I think it's an interesting dynamic. I wonder what your take is. Well, they were they were well beaten in, uh, in the Netherlands last night. PSV could have had, without, without exaggeration, they could have had six. I think they had three disallowed, scored two. Um, and a few other chances went went against them as well. So I don't really know what happened to Arsenal because they they did all right and against PSV at um, at the Emirates. You know they handled them fairly fairly comfortably and you know won the game one nil. But um, yeah, it was a totally different game last night. I thought uh, Xavi Simmons was was incredible for for PSV. He's one of the he looks like a classy of, player, doesn't he? He's yeah, only young still as well. 
yeah, like leading talents of uh, of 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 Holland, uh, one of the best players out there at the minute. So you know, I think he left um, left Barcelona's academy at like fifteen, sixteen, and I think he went to PSG and then to PSV. So mm-hmm. he's clearly uh, you know backs himself in situations, and you could see that last night. He properly stepped up to the to the plate, is is dribbling and passing and and uh, playing that final third was was superb. And I think if if Cody Gakpo could stay on side, um, it, it it could have been a, a real embarrassing score for Arsenal because a couple were di- um, ruled out for for being offside against Gakpo, and you know the two that went in were were good goals as well. So Ramsdale made a bit of an error or two. You know, is he getting a maybe maybe Arsenal as a, as a whole are getting a bit complacent? You've seen them having a little wobble recently. That was always going to happen, but. It's uh, it's one of those where, if it's how the wobble happens, you know what I mean. If you get outplayed like they did last night, okay. But if you get um, if you get complacent, like throwing away a lead against Southampton, and then you lose from being outplayed, I think Forest becomes a quite a big game at the weekend, especially after Forest put them out of the FA Cup um, last season. So you're looking at that and thinking Arsenal need to get back on track because this is the first time they've. They faced a little bit of adversity this season. Everything's been plain sailing, nice and smooth, and it's a character test more than a, a talent test. We all know they've got the talent to go out and absolutely hammer most teams they play, but have they got the mentality to go right? We've lost comfortably in the uh, in the week. We threw, threw away a lead the last weekend. We're going to get back to it now against uh, Forest and and stick four or five past them because they're they're bottom of the league and that's what we should do because we're top of the league, but. We'll have to see what happens because it's uh, it's the first sort of test for a very young side. Yeah, Arsenal Forest is at two o'clock on Sunday, and Leicester Man City is at half twelve on Saturday. And we previewed both of those games on this weekend's episode of the Dugout, the podcast featuring former Premier League professionals. I'm joined by Francis Benali and Trevor Stephen for that one, so you can hear. The thoughts from those guys by subscribing to this podcast feed, and that will drop later on tonight. So keep an ear out for that one. But Mikel Arteta said in the aftermath of the defeat, Ian, that Arsenal must reset. And I've got a bit of a philosophical question here for you, because how does a team reset? Obviously, you can't literally reset the standings and the league table and all the rest of it. And naturally, with the way human brains work, even if you say, forget about it, don't think about it, there's always going to be that little bit of people's minds that think back to a previous result where they've lost or where they've drawn or whatever. Um, Is there anything Arteta can actually do in training to to reset what does what does Arteta do how do Arsenal reset or is this just one of those things that a manager says in a press conference that sounds quite interesting but actually doesn't really mean a great deal I think they need to spend a long weekend of quiet reflection (laughs) at a Buddhist mountain retreat uh, before taking on their next (laughs) opponents um, Southampton Um, well Martin Keown was talking about this um, afterwards, and, and and he's to be fair, he, he dug out a couple of players in particular, um, Laconga and, and Rob Holding, uh, as, as as being you know pivotal to to anything that went wrong with 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 Arsenal last night. And really, I think, it, as you say, probably back to basics would be a thing. And and Martin Keown in his interview was really not entirely sure that the players were giving their all. You know, maybe they're not fully invested in this tournament for whatever reason. It's not the Premier League and they're not necessarily playing sides that they know. And maybe things are slightly different when you're playing abroad and what have you. But 
he just felt that they weren't really giving their absolute all to chase the balls down and to put the, the pressure on PSV when they needed to and just wanted them to just really dig in a little bit more and a little bit more effort perhaps required. And, and that's certainly what he was thinking. And obviously Martin Keown knows a thing or two about defending and, and putting teams under pressure. So, And I think Arteta also in his post-match comments has, has said that... Um, Similar, you know, that he agrees that maybe they're they're um, how they've how they've dealt with the initial balls and things like that, and they've just switched off concentration. So maybe that's tiredness. Maybe it's just lack of uh, awareness of the of, of the nature of the occasion. Um, it's not the Premier League, and they've just sort of gone easy street a bit. But yeah, just a general feeling that concentration wasn't there, and the effort perhaps wasn't there that that we've sort of come to know from Arsenal lately. Yeah, Arsenal obviously a bit disappointed with the result last night. Um, An Aaron Ramsdale mistake was involved as well last night in that 2-0 defeat. A bit of a bad time for him to make an error, but let's face it, Gareth Southgate was probably going to choose Jordan Pickford as England's number one goalkeeper anyway. Despite that, I do think Ramsdale's definitely on the plane to the World Cup. All right, moving on to the Europa Conference League now. Another London club in action, this time at home, as the London Stadium played host to Silkeborg, the visitors from Denmark. West Ham won the game 1-0, a penalty after 24 minutes enough to see them through it seems this Europa Conference League Ian has given West Ham a bit of a new lease of life they've got a 100% winning record in the competition this season they've won all of their games they're through to the next round same can't be said for their Premier League form but at least they're doing alright in Europe yeah it's good to see isn't it you know and and, uh, they're sort of coasting along there maybe a little bit under the radar we're all spending our times focusing on Man United and and, uh, Arsenal but then West Ham week in week out uh, are getting a result on their various adventures uh, with European competition Silkeborg Uh, yes it's the uh, fixture of dreams once again but um, yeah Look, it's it's great for them, and but they had success last year as well in in Europe, didn't they? You know, they they went a long way in the tournament then, so they've got a a feel for it, and it, it seems to be a tournament that at the moment they've you know they're feeling fairly comfortable in, isn't it? So it's it's great for the fans though, and those European nights, regardless, to be honest, you know, of of whether you're in in the Champions League or whether it's now that you know this yeah. Europa League, UEFA Cup, whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, they, they are great occasions for the fans you know playing under the lights on a, on a week against a team that probably you're not really familiar with there's that extra bit of drama there it is it is, yeah. it is a great thing I think it's just football under the lights in general and I've said mm. this ever since we started this podcast I think there should be more Premier League football at night under the floodlights I think it's a different atmosphere I think it's a different test um, even though it's just a different kickoff time, it sounds ridiculous. I do think there are differences in the atmosphere. It tends to be a little bit better, I find, in night games as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that it is slightly different in that respect. Uh, West Ham got the job done by virtue of a one-nil scoreline, Marley. I'm just looking here though, 15 shots on goal. Yeah, it was only 1-0 and that was from a penalty. Effectively, what I'm trying to say is the stats say West Ham should be scoring more goals and yet they're not. Is that something you agree with? Well, should West Ham be scoring more goals against what a team who finished second or third in Denmark? Yeah, of course they should, yeah. It's, mm. um, I just think just in general, really. Yeah, it, definitely in, in general. I think... I don't know. with I think with Kamaka in the team, as, as has been in the... Um, in the Premier League in the last few weeks, I think they're still trying to fully adapt to to his style of play. Like Jim always says, he looks impressive and stuff, and he does. But I think with with Antonio, it was kind of like 
in the last few seasons, it's like, give it to Antonio in the channels and he'll go and score the goal with his power and his pace or he'll cut it back and there'll be someone there for a tap-in where, whereas with Skamaka, it's more like back to goal, hold it up, we'll build it up by playing off him type of thing and it's a bit of a slower build-up. Um, so I think with, with that, it's it's kind of getting the getting used to the to the new striker a little bit. Um, there's also a lot of rotation behind, like Lanzini sometimes plays, Ben Rama sometimes plays, Fornals, Paqueta's coming in as well, still trying to find his feet a little bit. So there's a little bit of um, sort of um, evolution in the, the sort of attacking trio or quad, or quad if, if, if you want to extend it to four players. But you're probably seeing that at the minute. And yeah, West Ham don't look... They look sort of methodic rather than majestic, don't they? It's not exactly you know, get you off your seat football, but they, they tend to get it done and, you know, playing these um, Scandinavian minnows every Thursday is, is helping them do that. Mm, yeah, it feels like they're just starting to put together some form and some momentum now, hopefully from a West Ham perspective that reflects into their Premier League season. Don't forget, we'll preview some of the biggest Premier League games of the weekend, including Graham Potter's return to the Amex Stadium as Chelsea visit Brighton on the dugout, which is out later tonight. Myself, Francis Benali and Trevor Stephen, hit subscribe and you won't miss it. But next, we are going to do the weekly football social daily quiz. Marley's ready, Ian's ready, I'm ready. Let's do it next after this. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode of this podcast. New episodes every day of the season and including the World Cup as well, which is fast approaching. So make sure you stick around during the competition for that as we'll be looking across all of the England matches as well as the other big games during the tournament in Qatar, which won't be long now until it starts. Qatar versus Ecuador on a Sunday night is the first game, but there's more entertaining things at hand, more pressing matters because it is, of course, the Football Social Daily weekly quiz ian and marley are ready marley you should be full of confidence after knocking ian off of his perch last week yeah ready to punch him when he's down <laughs> let's go all right let's do it well you you've got um the honor of the first question because we always do youngest first on the show so unfortunately for you ian again you're gonna I, have to I, go see that's, but that's that's an advantage ian's not winning never, many of them i was gonna say that that's an advantage that's never gonna change <laughs> well you can you could change your name by deed poll get a new birth certificate something like that you can maybe, right. you know, put put one of your children up for the quiz and <laughs> speak using a voice changer or something like I mean, that. <laughs> one of my children. I've only got one, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> right. First question, Marley. Which Football Social Daily dugout pundit was a former teammate of Chelsea boss Graham Potter? Uh, Francis Benali. I think is a correct yeah. answer. Well done. One nil to Marley. Francis Benali used to play with Graham Potter when Graham Potter was at Southampton. And I actually asked him whether Graham Potter, he thinks has had a little bit of a glow up as we've heard people <laughs> describe um, on the dugout this week. So you can hear Franny's answer to that. If you listen to the dugout podcast, which will be out wherever you get your podcast a little bit later on this evening. Okay. One point for Marley. You're on the board. Ian, time for your first question. Leeds United manager Jesse Marsh is one of only two American coaches to have managed in the Premier League. That excludes David Wagner at Huddersfield because we're classing him as German for this. 
So who was the other American coach to manage in the Premier League that isn't Jesse Marsh? It was Bob Bradley. It was Bob Bradley. Well done. So that's 1-1. Good start, lads. Good start. Um, I didn't realise David Wagner, by the way, has got eight USA caps. I just instinctively he? thought he was a German the German yeah, I did. I didn't, I didn't realise that. I didn't yeah, realise that. So I had to exclude him from the uh, from the question there. Um, mm. Right, next question. Keeping on the managerial theme, Brentford manager Marley, Thomas Frank, is doing, I think we can all agree, a very good job as B's boss. But how many professional clubs did he play for in his career? Jesus, I couldn't even name one he played for in his career. Um, one. Oh, you had the answer in the palm of your hand. It's none. He never played for a single professional oh, for club. Sake. He was only a, a, a non-league player in his native Denmark. He was never a professional. Um, oh, I wonder whether that will be one you regret there, Marley. That was uh, that was right there. You were... You had I, was counting that. I was counting that in the league clubs is one club. So <laughs> I did say professional clubs in the question. All right, unlucky Marley. It's still 1-1 as we go into Ian's second question. Bournemouth scrapped their walkout song this week, but who is the American recording artist that performs it? Oh, don't talk to me about Bournemouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> had a bit of a heavy night there the other day, didn't you? Still recovering from Tuesday <laughs> yeah. night. <laughs> it was uh, it was Kanye, wasn't it? It was Kanye West. Well done. I wonder if you heard any of uh, Kanye West's tunes in the clubs. <laughs> where, where did you go? Did you go to Camel? Did you go to Halo? Halo's we a went, good club in Bournemouth, actually. I've still and they must have put it on within like the strongest marker they could possibly find. You know, they put the stamp on your hand. It's still faintly there. <laughs> and I have showered and tried to scrub it off, and it's still there. We went to Republic. All oh, right, okay. I remember uh, those days of partying in we, Bournemouth. <laughs> we went in, right, and it was a situation where basically had the entire nightclub to ourselves. There was nobody in. Uh, such was because it was a student night. So we went to walkabout and tried to get in walkabout, and the guy goes, "Not tonight, mate. You're not a student." I thought, how do you know I'm not a student? You're ageist. Yeah, you could uh, be a mature student. Exactly. He didn't even ask to see my ID. So we went in, and it was just seemed seemed weird that yeah, everybody was allowed in just one club, and that was walkabout. Everybody else had to go somewhere else. Right, enough about Ian's night out in Bournemouth. Kanye West was the right answer and the song Power that Bournemouth used to walk out to is now having scrapped due to some of the comments that Kanye West has made, which uh, I think are very distasteful indeed. So I uh, certainly applaud Bournemouth for that decision. Right then, Marley, next question. Uh, I think this is a tap-in for you. You're currently losing 2-1, but I think you're going to get this. Which Spurs Academy graduate scored against them for sporting in the Champions League midweek? Uh, Marcus Edwards. Yeah, correct. Yeah, easy one for Marley. Marley watches a fair bit of European football, so he's uh, back in it. Back level 2-2. All right, Ian, moving on to your question. This has been a quick-fire quiz, I tell you. We've been rapidly going through this one. It's the T20 Men's Cricket World Cup right now, taking place down under in Australia, despite the fact, for some reason, it seems to be raining just as much as it is here in Manchester at the moment. All the games are going to be rained off. Which famous Premier League siblings could have been professional cricketers for Lancashire had they decided to not become professional footballers instead? Is it the Nevilles? It is. It's Phil and Gary Neville. Great answer. Well Not done. And ones, actually, I think vice versa, though, there's cricketers that could have been footballers like Darren Goff, for example. He he, he was offered um, 
Barnsley. He loves his Barnsley. Barnsley. When Barnsley yeah. were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then Ian Botham famously played England cricket and also Scunthorpe United, I think, in the Football League. But those days are gone, yeah. aren't they? Long gone. I don't think you can be a dual discipline athlete nowadays. It's just impossible. Um, these days. But actually, funnily enough, talking about Gary and Phil Neville, I think Phil Neville was a, a better cricketer. Um uh, than he was footballer and actually Andrew Flintoff the legendary England fast bowler and well all-rounder he was really wasn't he Freddie Flintoff tells a story about how they were both in the Lancashire Academy together Phil Neville and, and Andrew Flintoff and it was kind of between one or the other and Phil Neville thanks thankfully for Freddie decided to play football rather than cricket and had he chosen to play cricket and gone down that pathway we might never have seen Andrew Flintoff play for England so I think it's a pretty interesting story one of those sliding doors moments okay does, Ian. That, does that mean we were we were very very close to Phil Neville presenting Top Gear 30 years later <laughs> I can't imagine that that'd be the most boring show in the world oh, oh, I can't imagine Phil um, Phil Neville taking a pedalo out after 10 cans of beer either but you know sometimes, I'd love to see it though oh yeah it would be, would be a good watch uh, so Ian you lead 3-2 well done the answer to that question was indeed Gary and Phil Neville. Okay, Marley, chance for you to draw level again. Which referee will be officiating in the Premier League this weekend for the first time in four years since he was sacked as a match official in 2018? Uh, Bobby Bobby Madley, I think. Bobby Madley, yes. Well done, Marley. That's good referee knowledge there. Um, He was sort of relieved of his duties four years ago for making... uh, a pretty nasty comment in a group chat about um, someone who had a disability. So he's been away from refereeing and away from the spotlight for four years, but he's going to take charge of Brentford against Wolves this weekend. So he is back in and amongst the uh, PGMOL, the professional game match officials group. Okay, so the answer, Bobby Madley. We're locked at 3-3 and a chance for Ian to win the quiz this week and retain his crown, winning it back off of Marley by answering this question right if he can do so. How many Premier League teams has Marco Silva managed? Marco Silva. Uh, uh, it, it's going to have to be a guess, but it's... Oh, hang on. Mm. No Googling. No, I'm not. No, no. Uh, three? It's four. Oh. It's four, which means we're locked level again at 3-3. Three, three. So he's obviously the current manager of Fulham. He mm. also managed Everton, yeah, Hull City Everton. and... And Watford as well, the one uh, I always forget. He forgets that he managed Watford. No, no, I remember him managing Watford. It was Hull City I forgot about. <laughs> oh, really? That's the opposite for me because Watford <laughs> have had so many bloody managers, it's really difficult to keep track. <laughs> yeah, so by virtue, you should go, well, Marco Silva must have managed them at one point. Yeah, just add one on to any question about how many clubs. <laughs> There's bound to be a Watford in there somewhere. Um, yeah, what do you think of Marco Silva and how he's been getting on, Marley? I mean, he's doing a pretty good job at Fulham, isn't he? Yeah, he's been doing been doing very well. I think his um, his reputation was a bit um, a bit tarnished from what happened when he jumped ship from Watford to Everton. Then that ended up in in a bit of uh, underwhelming fashion. But he's uh, I think he's always had talent, and I think when when Fulham came back up, I I, I think I remember saying on the podcast that uh, I think Fulham are coming up with the best manager they've ever had um, in terms of chances of survival and stuff and I think the the way they've um they've approached the season, you know, they've they've added some good players, um and they've most importantly played in a way where where they can get Mitrovic into the game, which was never never the case in, in previous uh, Premier League seasons. So 
that comes down to good management, and that's uh, that's why Fulham are. Tenth uh, ish, seventh ish in the in the table right now. Mm, yeah, they're in the top ten. Do you think they'll get sucked down into the relegation battle, Ian? Do you think that you know they've had a really good start, and you look at the table and you think, well, they're flying, but actually the the points gap between the bottom and the mid table region is is not extensive. I mean, at the moment they're uh, nine points clear of it. Their goal difference is level. They've played a game more than most of the teams around them. But do you think that there's a risk of them getting sucked back in, or do you think they've kind of put the platforms and the foundations in to be decent this year and and stay up? I think yeah, there's there's always a risk. Um, of things are you know fairly tight in the league and things can change pretty quickly. Um, I think from a Leeds United point of view, I would rather they got sucked into it than Leeds. Uh, but um, <laughs> that certainly doesn't look to be the case at the minute. Um. I, yeah, I think at this stage it's too, it's too early to say. Um, I just think that you know, as things pan out and we get towards Christmas, you know, you've got to wait until till Christmas time. Halfway through, might might be later than that this year with the with the World Cup, mightn't it? Um, to get that halfway point anyway, and we see where where people are at, and you get a real sort of judge of it at that point. But things can change just so quickly. You know, all you need is that period of matches where you've got sort of. Uh, say around Christmas time, or it'll be the new year now, won't it? Where the matches are going to come thick and fast. You know, things can just t- turn around very, very quickly at that point in the season. Getting through that Christmas period is always pivotal, and then again, Easter always has a massive um, bearing on on things as well. So, um, I, I think it. Yeah, with ten games in and all that, but I think, um, I think get get through the get through the festivities, and let's let's see where things are at there. Right then, time for the tiebreaker. Ladies and gents, tiebreaker question to decide who wins the quiz this week. The World Cup will soon be upon us. The first Winter World Cup ever takes place in the Middle East in Qatar. But let's rewind all the way back to one of the most famous World Cups that there ever was. It was in France in 1998 and the host nation were the winners of the Coupe du Monde and they lifted the trophy for the very first time. World champions and... England were competing in the 1998 World Cup as well. In their group this time in Qatar, they've got Iran, USA and Wales. But their opening group stage game of the 1998 World Cup was against Tunisia and England won by two goals to nil. Fastest finger first. Who can tell me the two England goal scorers that day? Oh, Michael Owen. Uh, my, my, oh. Nope. Trevor Sinclair. Nope. Keep guessing. <laughs> David Beckham. Nope. Keep guessing. Andy Cole. Nope. Keep guessing. What year was this again? 98 World Cup. 2 0 against Tunisia. England's opening group game. 15th of June, 98. Paul Lins. Nope. Keep David Batty. Keep Joel guessing. Campbell. Keep guessing. Graham uh, Lasso. Keep guessing. Gary Neville. Keep Gary guessing. Southgate. Keep guessing. <laughs> David Seaman. Oh. David Seaman. I can't believe that none of you have picked some of these players, honestly. David Basti. Steve no, McManaman. No. Oh, my God. Paul Scholes. Two... You've said Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes. Well done, Ian. That's one. You just need the other to win. Paul Merson. No. No. <laughs> oh, I mean, Marley, you should probably you should probably say what Ian's just said to get yourself. <laughs> what? Oh, Paul Scholes. Yeah, right, well we both done. need one, one now. One. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. Right. Uh, Who's got the second goal for Nicky England? Nicky Butt. No. Oh God. Um, um, <laughs> uh, this is no. Alan Shearer. Oh, it was a tie. You both said Shearer. I, at I the got same that in time. first. Oh my God. I, I didn't know. She- I forgot Shearer was playing in that year. Jesus. 
Shearer scored, and so did Skulls. Shearer right. forty-two minutes, Skulls eighty-nine listen. minutes. You got to listen to that back. I'm going to listen to that back and go to VAR because in VAR. real time I cannot call that. That is bloody close. <laughs> the two call it Let's call it a draw. I'm sorry. We're going to have to call it a draw. As if you guys forgot, especially you, Marley, forgot <sighs> Alan Shearer. My We're word. going back a bit now. But I, the most important thing was I got it in a split second before Ian did. So, I mean, there's some absolutely brilliant shouts. Ince, Ince Batty. I mean, where you pulled Graham Lisseau from, Ian, I have no idea. <laughs> but it definitely wasn't him. And he was in the starting eleven for that game. Here's the team. Uh, David Seaman um, definitely didn't score. But he does have a podcast on the Sports Social Podcast Network called Seaman Says. So if you're a big Arsenal fan, that's worth a listen to. Go and check it out. It's called Seaman Says by David Seaman. Uh, Sol Campbell, Gareth Southgate, Tony Adams, Darren Anderton, Paul Ince, David Batty, Graham Lasseau, Paul Scholes, Alan Shearer and Teddy Sheringham. And then Michael Owen came on as a sub in the 85th minute. But the, yeah, the scorers were Shearer and Scholes. Um, and that was so close. So I'm going to call it a draw. So is everyone happy to shake hands and move on? Nope. Oh, he's not happy. <laughs> I, I'll take this. I'll take it. Well done, Ian. So we, we got some dignified uh, sportsmanship amongst us. I'll have to go deep into the VAR archives to get that one right. Uh, nice one, lads. Um, appreciate your time as ever. Don't forget you can get involved with Football Social Daily beyond the confines of the podcast by downloading the Telegram app on the iOS or the Google Play Store. Link is in the top of the Link is in the pin tweet at the top of our Twitter profile, which is at FSD pod. Give that a click, get into the group and you can send us any questions you want us to tackle on the pod, anything you want us to talk about on Football Social Daily, whether that be up to and including the World Cup or just general Premier League stuff you want us to talk about. Let us know in there and we'll do our very best. You can also get in touch with us on Instagram and Facebook as well. But that is it for another week of Football Social Daily. A reminder that the dugout is out later today, looking ahead to the weekend's Premier League action. Some big matches there, as well as Unai Emery's first First couple of weeks in charge at Aston Villa. How will that go? And Jesse Marsh, is he a dead man walking at Leeds United? All of those things discussed on the dugout. So hit subscribe and you won't miss it. But from us at Football Social Daily, that's it. Have a great weekend and we'll speak to you again soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.